Hey y'all, we finally did it. We got Kyle Reese on and uh, actually uh, recorded an episode with it. It's uh, over an hour and a half. It's very good. We hope you like it. We love you. Is wet. Just gonna get the recording done. Moist. <laughs> Some moist grass you got there, boy. Oh god, oh, I'm in that Miami do. I'm in that Miami do, man. I add. I should oh, like a plantation owner. We're gonna yeah, get. This is what happens when Kyrie Irving. <laughs> oh my flat Earth plantation. Oh my flat Earth plantation. <laughs> oh man, do you follow that a, a lot? Uh, Kyrie Irving is an incredibly. Complex human being. I think the MLB version is Marcus Stroman because Marcus Stroman is like woke and like, hey, you know, police shouldn't kill the, the people uh, all the time. But then all of a sudden he's like, also, I'm really into NFTs and crypto. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's our Kyrie for that area. Like, oh, he's got really good points on this. But Jesus, God, his brain's in another galaxy on certain other things. That's like, a good call. You know, I started thinking about eccentric MLB players and the only person I could think of was Tommy Pham. And that's only because he's like gets stabbed a bunch, which is a little different than the flat earthing. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy Pham's a flat earther. Somebody needs to ask. Uh, well, Paul DeYoung, we know, is a flat earther. I can't believe Wayno snitched him out on that. Actually, he didn't like explicitly say PDJ is a flat earther, but like we somehow, we all just knew. We just knew it was, it was, it was like, why don't we, why can't we, why don't we ever see Uncle Charlie again? Uh, well, Uncle Charlie, well, we just won't ever see him again, kids. That's mainly why Paul DeYoung believes the earth is uh, is uh, the shape of a fucking cube. That's what it is. Um, Kyle, so happy to have you back. Let's uh, let's go ahead and just attack you. Um, uh, oh. Before we start that, do you want to test our audio? So, Tom, I see that you're recording. I'm, I'm recording. recording. Yeah. Um, I'm worried that it's only going to record like my part and not your part. Um, you know what it I mean? Will- Mine will record everyone else's. I just uh, next okay. helped me in terms of converting them over to a wave. So he's okay. like, get it recorded. Don't fuck it up like last time. And then we are, we are golden, my brother. Okay, and I can't even record an audacity while this does it because the yeah. second I go to Zoom, it stops. So, all right, let's. Uh, are you ready to attack our guest? Yes, let's attack our guest. Kyle, oh, did, technical delay. Kyle, you know prospects pretty well. Okay, we would say you're like. Uh, at the forefront of that um did you know ben deluzio's fucking crazy (laughs) (laughs) my man's twitter is in a whoa (laughs) you know truth be told like i try my hardest to stay out of all of that (laughs) so you know we all have our own biases and it's hard enough as i get to know these guys to not develop biases or uh lack thereof in some circumstances (laughs) So I try my hardest not to like get involved in any of that if I don't have to, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm trying my hardest to be as independent <laughs> and as unbiased as possible. So I know that there's controversy. Uh, I, I know that he might be out of his fucking mind, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I try my hardest to stay out of it. Well, just a quick thing. Okay. We're not. We know you have biases. I think uh, who's the guy? It was it Nick Dunn. Is that who I'm thinking of? That fucking Nick Dunn, man. 
I can't even. He's so fucking annoying. He he's is. Just, he's, a, he's a talented hitter, but he's annoying as fuck. It's because of his size. He's small and white, and as a big white guy, I've got an issue with it. <laughs> gonna shit. I'm gonna shit on his head. Like we're not. We're, we're not gonna. We're not gonna put. We're not gonna corny on it. Like did so. Like and for people who. Uh, anyone who listens is Ben Deluzio is a fundamentalist Christian. That's whatever he loves God, maybe a little too much in some cases. Is that something that's known, like organizational wise, or is it just something like what the fuck? I'm an I'm a guy with no life. Let me go look through Ben Deluzio's Twitter. It's the option too, <laughs> but like, is that something that like is known about players that gets picked up? Like, not saying you know about uh, Deluzio obviously yeah. or anything like that, but is that something that gets picked up on? Like, uh, you know people who follow MILB with uh, with our organization or anyone else. I have no I have no doubt and from having a few conversations here or there that the Cardinals are very serious about opposition research. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I don't doubt that they know his background. Um, for a really long time I used to have conversations with people uh, who would ask me if the Cardinals you know specifically or maybe even explicitly, would only bring in like fundamentalist Christians or uh, extremely religious people into their organization. And the truth is, I don't know. It seems yeah. that way sometimes, uh, but you know, if they, if they do, and you know, that's, that's my other thing is I'm, I'm a super goofy dude. Like I, I kind of, I'm kind of out there. Uh, as you know, I mentioned I was masturbating just shortly before <laughs> we started doing this. And had I known that there'd be, we did so in solidarity. <laughs> had I known that there'd be dewy grass on the screen, I just would have done it here. <laughs> I, uh, grass is dewier on the other side. Exactly. So I always, I always try to remember that with dewy grass or fundamentalist Christians or members of the uh, you know LGBTQ community that. Every, our entire lives are half genetics and half based on the experiences that we have. And some people are fortunate enough to experience a lot of things. And some people are, are unfortunate and only get to experience their own little bubble. Mm. And I always try to keep that in mind because ideally, I mean, I don't necessarily give a fuck what people think about me as is well documented by my interaction <laughs> with everyone, mm -hmm. but I just, it's hard enough to get through this little life on this flat earth. And I, uh, I just, I want everybody, as long as they're respectful to other people, and that's where it ends up being kind of the one for one here, maybe where, and I don't know Deluzio's thing, but where it might get kind of difficult is as long as you're being respectful to everyone else, uh, uh, you know, you're good in my book. Uh, and if, if yeah. you're intentionally targeting a group of people that aren't flat earthers or QAnon people that deserve <laughs> to be targeted because they're out of their fucking minds, um, uh, then as long as you're not explicitly targeting uh, groups of people, then then I'm a happy boy. Uh, so that that's like that's where I line up. Uh, and I guess I'll masturbate now because I don't know how to end what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> I, I went down like the rabbit hole on it because I saw someone like post about it, and like this isn't like a, a clamoring for like we need to trade him because it, baseball is a predominantly like white Christian sport. It's definitely heavily conservative. So where do we draw the line? Cause like maybe some of like Deluzio's obviously like extreme beliefs, I would probably bet a lot of teammates share, but not as publicly adamant about it. Like he's got an interesting story because um, uh, this is how I I'm basically his FBI handler now, but like he had two Twitters. He had one when he was at FSU and he followed in the steps of like his sister, his whole family is a bunch of athletes. Yeah. And he went to a very small, like Christian school. And he was like an undersized, like guy there. And he was just speedy and he could hit. 
And like he went to college, uh, college ball, um, had a good freshman year. Then he kind of got beat up. Um, he was drafted before high school, but he decided to attend university because he committed to it. So he's a man of like principle. He's like, I've already like get, I've already promised this to it. I'm going to follow through on it. And it's very admirable. And then like out of a uh, out of uh, college, he went undrafted. So he initially mm-hmm. was like, a I think, a ninth rounder out of high and when he was in high school and then went undrafted. And the guy like got on a fucking bus, drove, <laughs> drove hundreds of miles to play like shitty pioneer ball. And literally all the way up until like the next seven years of his life, literally committed to just grinding and making it to the show just to have people on people, psychos like me be like, I wonder what kind of shit this guy likes. Like there's like a lot of admiration and I can see how like, cause he, when he made a second one, this is the one that, you know, garnered this controversy. I can kind of see how like someone who had to like battle all that. Like I was initially a draft pick struggled in college and now I'm having to pick myself up like this and build something out of this and follow something that gives me fulfillment. Like I can see why someone would turn to faith on that. And I don't want to disparage anyone. I mean, like we're, I would, I I'm atheist. I probably assume all of us probably are to a degree in our own religious thing, but we're not going to, if it gives you fulfillment, doesn't harm anyone. We don't give a shit. But like, I mean, I'm starting to have some faith just looking to like the like physical embodiment of personification of grass right now. Like oh, I was, gonna, right. I was gonna make a grass joke, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like it's a he's got an interesting story on it. And uh, before anyone uh, wants to go and uh, shit on him, uh, you know, uh, have have empathy for the boy. I mean, he shares what I say a lot with baseball. Anyway, let's talk about fun things. Before we get too far, hold on. I, let me. I, I did want to clarify a couple things about Ben Deluzio. Okay, big deal. So he was actually a third round pick. Third and, round, yes. Okay, yeah. And he he was drafted by the Marlins, and he mm-hmm. pretty much spent time in the Marlins and Diamondbacks organization. He didn't yeah. really. There, there wasn't much outside of that, really. Um, but still, like, I don't think that that changes the point that you made in any way. Well, yeah, the Marlins offered him like 600K as a signing bonus on it. He's like, fuck it, I'm going to FSU on that one. And then, yeah, the D-backs organization is what he joined to and went and had to work his way up. Yeah. And then we picked him up. Did we pick him up in a trade or was it a signing? I believe it was the Rule 5, the, the minor Rule league stage five, of the okay. Rule 5 draft. Yeah, that was a unique thing I think we did this past season or two on it i that was something that left out to me i haven't read up on it you know what, what is a uh, minor league rule five on that we know what the rule five is in terms of you know you take a rule five guy he's got to play on a major league roster but what's this unique one that would been it's so it's basically the same thing it just said it costs less money and you know a lot of times what ends up happening is major league teams will stash a lot of their players that are rule five eligible and it's the same people who are minor league rule five eligible that are major league rule five eligible but what they'll do is they'll put like those minor league they'll put the guys that they don't think will get drafted at the major leagues at triple A because you mm-hmm. can't really you usually don't draft the triple A types. You're looking for somebody who's a little bit lower. Uh, it's just it's a, another opportunity for a player to get another opportunity in another organization. Basically, yeah. that's that's what it boils down to. It'll happen like with Ben Deluzio. Deluzio is a triple A Reno. I believe it's Reno uh, at triple A Reno. And uh, the Cardinals drafted him in the minor league section. And because I guess of his age and because of how long he'd been in the minors, he was eligible to stay in the minor league phase, you know, stay in the minors uh, once exchanging organizations. Yeah. Okay. I have a question on that. Yeah. Um, so what would stop someone like, or an organization from being like, Oh, let's go take a uh, tink hints. Like he's, you know, a low, like a, 
low A? Is that what you're so, saying? I think he's recently drafted. I think recently drafted is protected, right? It's four years of minor okay. league service time um, for a high school kid and five years of minor league service time uh, for a, a, a teenager. Now, let me, I also want to rephrase when I say, a, 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 I meant to say college kid. For kids 20 and over, you get four years of minor league service time before you become eligible for the Rule 5. For kids younger than 20, it's five seasons um, before you become minor league, uh, Rule 5 eligible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, let's leap into this. Um, We have the Rule 5 coming up. Uh, We're getting our 40 man all straightened out, fellas. Uh, what what do you propose to Mr. Reese here? Who is uh, who what are you are proposing to me right here in front of everyone, <laughs> Mister Kyle? Can I call you Mister? Propositioning Kyle? boy. I'm calling you. I'm propositioning you, boy. <laughs> yeah. We got to stop with Southern Plantation thing. Okay, we're gonna. I'm we're, doing two. So listen, we've been battling. <laughs> we've been battling for. We you know Nick's taking a break, so now we have finally kicked the Are We a White Supremacist podcast, and I think people have figured out. We're just come down sports, okay? We can't do Southern Plantation owners with guests, okay? It yeah. last time it backfired, okay? We had to pay out a lawsuit on it. We can't pay out any more goddamn money, all right? Yeah, you know, here we are beating up on Ben Deluzio for his beliefs, and we're the ones that are the Southern Plantation owners. <laughs> we're no better. Let he who is without who is without stolen base cast cast the first big ball. Uh, <laughs> Who is uh, who are we going to protect in terms of this upcoming Rule Five, uh, or better yet, who do you think is who 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 do you think is getting gobbled up? Okay, so they they added Connor Thomas, uh, the lefty, who you know everybody's Boy. talking about right now because he had a lot of success in the Arizona Fall League. Mm-hmm. Um, the former fourth, I believe, fourth round draft pick out of Georgia Tech in 2019. They got he, he doesn't throw hard though, right? No, he's, he's not. not like a... He he'll never be a hard thrower. He's He's command first. He's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of publicity because he's striking out a lot of people in the Arizona Fall League. Doesn't necessarily mean anything. He's refined his his cutter, which is a relatively new pitch to him. He struggled with the command of it during the minor league season. Um, but the, for me, from what I understand, talking with some people, the big difference for Connor Thomas uh, in the Arizona Fall League as opposed to his struggles at AAA this year are it's it has it's a two parter. It has a little bit to do with the talent that he faced in the Arizona Fall League. And also it has to do with the fact that he had rediscovered uh, his command more so than it has to do with the actual usage of the cutter and the slider and the sinker or fastball. And even a little bit of curve, he was mixing in a little bit more and more to lefty as the Arizona fall league went along. You know uh, what I watched him at double a and triple a in 2021, his command was pinpoint and it was beautiful. And especially on the outside corner, uh, low and up on righties, you could see a real chance, a real opportunity for him to make the majors last year. And he just, he, you could tell he started fatiguing out about midway through the 2022 season. Uh, and you could see that it, to me, it looked like he was out of sync and he rediscovered that just as much. And that had just as much to do with the success in the Arizona fall league as it did anything else. Well, you think so, it's just building up like uh, arm strength then possibly, right. Or just like attrition then. I, yeah, I think it's, I think we talk about like building up arm strength. I, I don't necessarily know if it's that. I think in 2021, he threw a lot of innings. And then mm-hmm. that parlayed into 2022. And, you know, he was kind of on the cusp of the majors and was kind of flirting with it a little bit. And I he probably just fatigued out. And then getting a little break between the end of the uh, AAA season and the Arizona Fall League probably gave him a second to uh, catch his breath and get going again. I, it could be that simple. It, 
it could be that he took a little break, got a mental break and really started believing in the cutter instead of trying to like locate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think pitching, talking with minor league pitchers, especially the high, high, the double A, triple A pitchers. I feel like the one, one of the many lessons I've learned is that pitching with confidence is just as important as pitching with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with confidence, you're, you're molding your stuff in your command and it's becoming one. And you can, you can usually, uh, you know, optimize your, your output. And I, I would imagine that he just gained a little bit of confidence, was feeling a little, a little bit better. And uh, that, that allowed kind of it all, everything to kind of click at once. Yeah. Like, uh, I think like the projection is that he could be bullpen help this season. Do you think he's coming up to the show uh, with the 2023 year? And what do you think his long-term uh, projection is then? It's tough to say, you know, truth be told, like we know that a soft tossing lefty can stick around for a long time with good command, whether Mm -hmm. that's out of the bullpen or at the back end of a rotation or, you know, whatever. Uh, Andy Choate. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, granted the the whole loogie thing's gone, which kind of, kind of screws all that up, but yeah, I mean, there's reason to think that he could have a swing man type major league role. And when I say swing man, I mean, not just in like a bullpen and rotation kind of hybrid role or a multi-inning reliever. Uh, but I also mean like uh, between AAA and major leagues for, for many, many years. He, I view him as a very valuable 40-man roster arm who maybe he comes up and gives you five innings and a spot start when necessary. Maybe he's the 27th man in a doubleheader and, you know, will magically either pitch you three innings out of relief or six innings out as a start. You know, I, I think if things go bad and you've got a couple of people who are hurt in the rotation, he can get you through 10 or 15 days at a time. Like, yeah. I, I think ultimately that's what that type of player is now um, with with the very real concern that command will cripple uh, his ability to be effective because, you know, he has to have pinpoint command. Yeah, He can't – he just doesn't have the stuff. And his cutter, slider, sinker, you know – forcing that he doesn't throw a lot curve that he doesn't throw a lot all it's a good repertoire that works pretty well together but again it just it goes back to baseball now if you're a lefty and you're throwing meatballs it, do, it just doesn't matter yeah and like thomas's control has always been good but it's back to this point of like yes command which is just like confident controlling of the strike zone and you would say though that's the thing he struggled with but seems to have like mopped up in arizona and that he can will be a organization a, a valuable organizational death piece at least yeah yeah at least and i think he'll he'll have moments depending on what kind of competition he's going up against when he does make the majors uh where, where you know we'll debate is this a guy who could fill 160 innings out of a out of a rotation like I, that's it's probably mm-hmm. the answer to that question is probably no but he's one of those guys that will cause that debate and i know that that's yeah. not sexy and it's not fancy but or, you know, organizations have deep runs on the, you know, the backs of players like that, you know, when you're talking about the 40 man uh, uh, and not the 26 man on a daily basis. So like the way we're just, way you're describing him, it kind of makes me think he slots into a role that how we use Jake Woodford. Am I correct in that assessment? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people talk maybe about Pelante. He just doesn't have the juice that Pelante has. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think, I think Woodford, but you know, there's always the caveat that there always seems to be more opportunities for left-handed pitchers. Mm-hmm. 
very. Um, we have a we have a good jokey one here in terms uh, of uh, uh, one. Uh, who's the next guy starter or actually yeah? Who's the next pitcher we trade that wins a Cy Young elsewhere? Ah. <laughs> Man. You know, okay, so it's funny. I've been embroiled in these conversations about Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen for yeah. the last two days. And it's fascinating because I have a belief dating back to then, and I've been saying it for years, and it has a little bit to do with the way the Cardinals used Ryan Helsley, that both of those guys, one of them, if not both of them, and probably Alcantara, was destined to be a long-term bullpen option for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Now, the Cardinals do have a track record of using their high-drafted collegiate arms at the major league level uh, as starters. I think that's why we still fuck around with Dakota Hudson in that role. You know, um, and Gallon was a third, a second or third-round draft pick. I think third round. I don't know why I'm blanking on it right now. And so he might have had a chance with because he was a little bit more polished to to have an impact as a starter, but. Neither of those guys, when they were traded, were on that trajectory that they are on now yeah. and that they have, they have maintained now in the Cardinals organization. Now, that offseason, before the Ozuna train, they were, from my understanding even then, and we talked about it a lot on Prospects After Dark, was that they were trending in that direction. And I was always the bigger fan of Zach Gallen. I, I always loved Zach Gallen. And he moved through the organization quick. He was one of those collegiate arms that were moving. He was already at AAA very, very quickly. You know, he was, he was in that ilk, uh, yeah. but he struggled at AAA and started letting up home runs. But anyways, that, that's all for me to say uh, as I lead up to your the answer to your question. You know, uh, I, I don't necessarily know if it's safe to assume that this is how it would have worked out for them. I, I feel like, especially Junior Fernandez, the way the Cardinals transitioned Junior Fernandez to the bullpen, you know, he had arm issues, which led to that uh, down in the minors. Like... I'm not as confident that that is something that the Cardinals would have stuck with and stayed with. And if they did, how it would have diminished both of their values in other trades, if it would have came to that, or even the diminished their value to the Cardinals with the Cardinals, because that is an issue that the Cardinals have, have had specifically with players in that time frame. you mm-hmm. know, a, a, a Rosarena, Jag, you know, their, their own individual, um, uh, internal assessments of players was flawed at the time. And they've even admitted that now. So I, I think that that tells us that the, the internal evaluation that led to uh, major league usage and lead up to major league uh, usage was very, very flawed. Now, yeah. I do think that they've corrected that. And I think that now they, they tend to act scared because of it, uh, overly learning a lesson uh, where maybe they don't need to. You know, maybe maybe they just say, "All right, that was the that was the the, the outlier. Let's go back to trying to do it." Uh, that's kind of what I'm a proponent of in this particular offseason. Obviously, they're probably not going to do that, but uh, I, I I leave that up because, like, to me, the guy would end up being, and I don't think they'll trade him. But the only arm I see that has that potential is Gordon Graceffo. That it, you know, like Tink Hens has it, obviously, but they're not going to trade Tink Hens. He's he is their baby. He's he's their Jordan Walker. Uh, of the pitching staff he's just mm-hmm. a year a year behind jordan walker from a hype standpoint uh I, I can't say from a major league trajectory standpoint because i just don't know yet he doesn't have enough innings they've treated him very very carefully but like the one guy that i worry that they've already mentally started shoehorning into a bullpen role and if they've done that then that would make him a little bit more accessible or easy for them to trade is gordon Graceffo. And I view Gordon Graceffo just like I viewed Ryan Helsley. I've always been, I've always been the high man on Helsley when 
he was a double A prospect. And I was telling everybody he was a top five, top 10 prospect in the organization and a potential top 100 prospect in baseball. You know, I remember getting laughed at and arguing about that. Like, that's how I view Gordon Graceffo. And luckily, Graceffo has gotten a little bit of the steam that Helsley didn't get. But Helsley was put in the bullpen because he had, you know, traditional bullpen stuff. And he never really got a chance to show off his changeup. He never really got a chance to show off his curveball. And it really wasn't until this year, and actually Andrew Kisner, that the fastball, the slider, cutter, and and the, the curve became more and more common. Yeah. Uh, he earned that respect, of course. But it's kind of um, translated into more success for Helsley then, too. Exactly. And also he was healthy, you know, the fastball had more velo, all this stuff had more velo. His knee was healthy, his arm was healthy. Yeah. That also played into it. But oh, it's the fucking Braves. Yeah, damn right. Damn right, which is fucking <laughs> awesome too. Yeah. So uh yeah, I don't know. That's all of us just to say, like, he's like the one guy, as especially as my evaluations have gotten a little bit more critical, especially as I start to really understand how hard it is to be a major league starting pitcher, uh, how easy mm-hmm. it is for the potential middle of the rotation to late. Uh, to back-end rotation, how hard it is to be that and how much easier it is to just be a player who gets a taste of the majors or can stick around in a mid-innings role. Like, Gordon Graceffo is an elite arm who screams of bullpen, and that worries me about how the Cardinals might value him. Uh, what's and, uh, what, what's his velo at? What's his velo at on him? Uh, Graceffo is like, in-game, he'll probably <laughs> – it depends on how angry he is. How keyed yeah. up he is because he pitches with an edge and he pitches angry and with a lot of attitude on the mound. And when he's pitching like that and he's he's healthy because he dealt with some fatigue issues about midway through the minor league season. Uh, when he's healthy, like in his last start, he was between 96 and 98. He can get up to 100 and he's got a, a, a curve slider change up combo that can be really, mm-hmm. really deadly. And again, the, the way he uses a secondary stuff and, and how like there's some um, – curious evaluations of some of his stuff other than his fastball uh it reminds me so much of helsley and uh i I, there's he just he has a potential and he's not there yet to be an elite starting pitcher and for me that's not an ace that's not necessarily a top of the rotation arm that's that's a third like somebody out of the miles michaels role but you know maybe a few more home runs and maybe a few more strikeouts in there Mm -hmm. like he he has a potential to be a special arm if given a chance to be a special arm Two things to add, like I think what uh, what you bring up in terms of how we treat prospects now is kind of like what we've learned with the success of Adolis Garcia, Rosarena, uh, and Sandy, obviously, and Gallon. Um, it kind of shows that one we have we've always been pretty decent at you know uh, at uh, maintaining a farm system that turns out big leaguers, uh, and two. Um, it shows that we are, yeah, I would say definitely more hesitant in terms of parting ways with prospects. I mean, we saw that in terms of, um, you know, the Juan Soto sweepstakes. I'm sure we're going to hear about it as we talk about this offseason in search of a catcher or a shortstop. Um, but another thing I hypothesize uh, here is that do the Cardinals have, when it comes to pitching, a philosophy that – you know, once you have exceeded, you know, X amount in terms of your max velocity, you're better suited for a bullpen arm. We've seen them incorporate this with Hicks. Uh, I always thought whenever they brought in Sandy, he was going to be, you know, a late inning fireballer. Helsley is, you know, current closer. And, you know, uh, Gallon doesn't throw overpoweringly, but he sits low to mid 90s. Is there like 
a philosophy built with that. I mean, I can kind of see why, like, you you know, a guy pumping a hundred mile an hour cheese, you probably don't want him throwing 200 innings. And it seems like Sandy is the outlier there because it just seems we've seen the troubles that Jordan Hicks has had when it, whenever it comes to having, you know, throwing that violently. Do you think that's like a, like a, like an organizational philosophy in terms of, you know, guy throws X amount of miles an hour. We probably want to work him out of the pen more so than the, than the rotation. I think it's about timing. I think it, I think that does probably play into it, but yeah. I also think it's about opportunity and timing just as much as it is about anything else. Uh, not to keep going to this, but th- my biggest gripe with Helsley is that they, they decided to give Dakota Hudson a run in the starting rotation. Friend of the pod, Dakota Hudson. We there love Dakota Hudson here. <laughs> yeah. So they had a choice. They could either do one or the other, and they went with Hudson instead of Helsley. And my guess always was that it was because of perceived velocity or not perceived actual velocity and mm-hmm. perceived value in each role even though we all knew hudson's control was trash his control and his command was that's trash. dog shit he always yeah, had a it, high walk rate even in college exactly exactly and i, I think that they 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 just I, i'm pretty sure in that decision that's exactly what it came down to i don't think it's always been that i don't think it will be that moving forward but i think a lot of times those high velo guys with maybe electric stuff they put themselves in a position to be at the major league level a little bit quicker. And then all of a sudden, you know, your bullpen's breaking down because bullpens break down and it's uh, so-and-so he throws fast. Let's get him up here. Let's get him a little taste of the majors. We can always send him down to reevaluate. You know, I think, I think Zach Thompson's kind of in that role. You know, when they brought him up to the majors, he wasn't necessarily throwing 99, but he learned how to throw 99 pitching out of the bullpen. You know, he changed some mechanics to, to get yeah. to 97, 99. You know, I think it's all about opportunity, really. I mean, even Andre Pallante, right? You know, last year, he, he'd hit 97 in the minors, but he was mostly between 93, uh, between 92 and 95. And then in the Arizona Fall League last year, he starts consistently getting up to the mid to high 90s, you know, consistently throwing 96, 97, 98, 99. And he had a cutter that was like low to mid 92. Exactly, exactly. So... The Cardinals had what they believed to be perceived rotation depth and with reserves in the tank. So it made sense to give Plante a chance to pitch his way onto the major league roster out of spring training in what was already a weekend bullpen. So, yeah, I think, I think it just, just as much to do with the, the each player's velocity and pitch ability and pitch mix as it does a lot of times with the opportunity presented. Hell Yeah. Uh, that was so in depth, guys. We need some jokes. What do you got, Josh? Okay, so my first question, and you know, we the the last time we talked, you know, everybody didn't get recorded, right? So we was fucked. I haven't lived that down. I know, but like I was worshipped by everyone because you you know Brennan Donovan, and he's my man, always (laughs) will be, and I owe that to you. So my question, this is number one, is where's the cat? Biscuits oh, the, in the, the hotel with me here. The cats in the grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. No. But, uh, yeah. Thunder. So, oh. I'm getting pussy all the time. Oh, fuck. Since I owe that to you. Kyle Reese, the wingman. Yeah. Oh, you know, actually, I'm not really getting pussy, but I'm getting pussy. Um, I like, Josh, I like how you're doing this. Like, you're giving, uh, like, a graduation speech, like, thinking a counselor. Like, I want to think. 
Mr. Reese, for never giving up on me, showing me how cool Brendan Donovan was, and now I'm just getting mad trim day in, day out, because they're like, wow, you listen to Card Prospects After Dark. Exactly. If there's anything I know about women, they love hearing about ex-woba. That's their favorite topic at the bar. They like, love hearing about how much pussy you get. Yeah, <laughs> my on pussy percentage. Oh, yeah. lady. Well, Let's actually, you know, I haven't gotten any pussy in a while, but um, I did have a female friend who's a listener, possibly a future companion. Who knows? We so call my voice was uh, sexy, deep and sexy, which never has it been described as those two things. And I think it's a Not correlation to Brendan Donovan. Yeah. So my so the end of my first question that was my lead up, of course. Yeah. Um, has this happened to you? Like, you know, has, has this translated your direction in any sort of way? You know, yeah, I know I've gotten pussy because of you for sure. Absolutely. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was talking Brendan Donovan. I was talking Brendan Donovan, but you know, you were right on him. So I thought, you know, maybe the same might have. No, <laughs> no. So the the girl that I'm with predates uh, any Brendan Donovan uh, uh, talking at this point, unfortunately. Fair. Okay. Uh, actually, they came about at the same time, so maybe I'll text her here. I'll text her, and let's we'll find out. <laughs> I don't think she'll answer. <laughs> yeah, I'll you... take a picture of you, and I'll ask her if the reason <laughs> I'm with her is because of you. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, not the... because of me, because you were right about Brendan Donovan. <laughs> yep. That's the key. That's the key. <laughs> you know, just oh, that's great. No, I mean, uh, you know, I do have a lot of really straight guys in my DMs asking to see me naked. Which, I mean, I don't. It's kind of the same thing. Very nice. Is that a you and Cardinals gifts? <laughs> Getting pretty close. Yeah. yeah. No, we're we're like so. I have a very incestuous incestuous relationship with my brothers, and that nice too. So <laughs> I didn't know you were Greek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Westeros. No, no, that's yeah. No. Okay. Second question. Um, tell me what you know. Actually, this will be a two parter. So because. Okay, I want to know more about Freddie Pacheco, and Ooh. who do you think this year's Brendan Donovan will be, and why is it Moises uh, Gomez? <laughs> so also, you have to give him a wrong answer, Kyle, because this man needs less pussy in his life. So that's what you. <laughs> He's making us look bad. First I'm off, as someone just to keep up, man. First off, as someone who's constantly eaten by cows, okay, uh, I I believe Josh is getting way too much tang on the rag. Uh, I can't sleep at night. All I hear is the shaking of our house. It's on a loo- it's a house on a concrete pad. He's gonna push it off the pad and into the dry and into the driveway. We're gonna be in the street. This man cannot stop pounding. He's like a fucking auger out there. He is drilling for oil. All right. <laughs> Give him wrong answers. Okay. Tell him it's Nick Dunn. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, so um, I don't remember either question. So I will say it's oh, Nick sorry. Dunn. Okay. No, I'm kidding. What do you I, know? No, I, so uh, about, about who's the next Brendan Donovan. I don't know if they necessarily have that right now. I think that we're kind of at a point where maybe there's even a little oversaturation with some of the Cardinals prospects. I don't necessarily know if there's a guy who's going to like bust onto the scene and surprise people. You know, I still think it's going to be Alec Burleson. I think that people are still way down on Alec Burleson. I, I don't know if he's going to get a real chance because, you know, barring any change, I think the outfield next year is pretty set for the Cardinals mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, Jordan Walker knocking on the door. Um, so I, I'm care- I'm curious to see how that goes. You know, I don't, I don't think they have that impact bat that you haven't heard much about at the high levels. I, I just, 
I don't think it's there. You know, all kidding aside, you know, we, we talk about Nick Dunn because the last time this didn't get recorded, um, when, when, when grass <laughs> here got a little bit too much dew on it, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, we talked about Nick Dunn and how I, he's, a, he's a really good hitter and he frustrates me. But he, there is something about the way that that kid makes contact to all fields and works along at bat where all of a sudden this lefty who can hit lefties and who can use the entire field and who plays an okay defensive second baseman, like I could envision a scenario in which things get really shitty in the infield and all of a sudden Tommy Edmond gets hurt and they didn't upgrade shortstop and all of a sudden Brendan Donovan is playing short and Nick Dunn is getting at bats at second, you know, like I, I, you know, I get all that to say is like worst case scenario. I could see Nick Dunn magically becoming Greg Garcia, you know, something like that where he's not, he's not going to be a rookie of the year candidate. He's not going to be a 280 hitter, but he, he could be the type of player that finds his way accidentally onto the 40 man and is more productive than uh, Kramer Robertson. If given a little bit of a run, like, like something like that. Uh, I think more than likely, and I guess maybe this is a segue into Freddie Pacheco. I think more than likely, it's it's one of the arms who we under who I undervalue specifically, uh, who I don't even know if I could name. I think I think there's a better chance that one of those guys ends up uh, uh, being that. I, I think there's a better chance of that than anything. And as far as Freddie Pacheco goes, Pacheco is a fastball slider righty who. You know, in the minor leagues, he had struggled. He struggled with his command a lot, and he walked a lot. But he always struck out a ton of batters. And this year, he cut his strikeouts down, and part of that came with a loss in velocity. And he was okay. still really effective in AAA. But instead of being in the 98 range relatively consistently, he was in the 96 range relative. You know, with relative consistency, he'd get up there a little bit. And uh, he he has a really good slider. His fastball slider combo is really good. Really uh, good at limiting hits and home runs is what I noticed with him. Exactly. While he gives up free passes. He doesn't give up like uh, you know the extra base hit or the long ball at least. Yeah, so and his uh, like, on, like his ceiling would be like you know maybe like a Geo Gallegos. Yeah. I, so so you know I'm always I'm always what I always like to say about ceiling and floor whenever anybody asks that is every one of these players has the potential to be the best at their position and everyone is Fair. has the potential to be the worst at their position. So, you know, in a very abstract way. Yeah. I think, I think he could be something like Giovanni Gallegos. I think the thing that hurts him is he doesn't have the funky delivery uh, and he doesn't necessarily. The, the fastball, the fastball slider is really good, but it doesn't play off of each other the same way that Gallegos has an entire repertoire. I think, I think because of his high octane, uh, the the measurements, you know, the the uh, vertical the vertical break, the spin uh, on his fastball, the way it gets in on hitters, he he's going to be a major league reliever. It's just a matter: is it going to be something like Cody Whitley? Is it going to be something maybe like like Gio Gallegos? You know, I, I think that he's probably somewhere between those two. I, I do think, and I mentioned it in a tweet, and I don't necessarily know how the Cardinals would have made it all work. But I do think they did themselves a disservice and him a disservice by not bringing up him some by not bringing him up at some point in September. I think I think they'll look back on that and think that uh, it would have been nice to at least see what that was or what that could yeah. have been. Again, I don't know what the corresponding roster move would have been. I don't know if that would have meant you know sending Jake Woodford down or what it what it might have been. 
but I just, I would have liked to have seen it in September and I think it would have done them really well. I, I thought he'd make an impact in 2022 and he just didn't get the opportunity. Well, cause he would have pitched in all three, like in double A, triple A and that show if he had come yeah. up, right. He never should have gone back to double A. Mm-hmm. I think so. That's, that's one of my issues. Now, the Cardinals made a point because they were worried about their bullpen depth to sign a lot of minor league free agents, right? Zach, remember they signed Zach McAllister to a minor league deal and everybody lost their damn minds. It was because they knew that they were going to get, they were concerned. They didn't know. They were concerned that they'd get into a position where they didn't have arms that they could dispose of. Uh, so that kind of pushed Pacheco back and Pacheco didn't really have an impressive camp. So that kind of hurt him too. But yeah, he, if he would have made the majors, it would have been double A, triple A and the majors last year. Okay. What is we um, touched upon this when we did the first interview, but let's hammer this. What's your so of our big prospects? What's your what's your prediction? What's your assessment of them? I mean, I remember in the first one, you're really high on Palante stepping in as pretty much like as the unsung hero for yeah. coming in and basically providing some model of stability. But in terms of you know, we're high up on. Palante, we're high up on Donovan. We're we're over the moon for what Gorman and Yepes did. But I'm mainly curious, like your assessment of guys like Libertor. You know, where what where's he going with this one? Is Burleson, who phenomenal all fields hitter, low strikeout rate, is he trade bait? Uh, where are we going to ship him to? And before you answer that, to bring it back, the obvious answer for who's going to win a Cy Young that we got rid of is going to be Johan Oviedo. Okay. I just want to, <laughs> but like in terms of those guys, we got a small look at, or, you know, Zach Thompson who came up and pitched effectively. Like what, what's the outlook for that? Where are we looking for our guys there? Real fast, it would be wild if it ended up being Jake Woodford, you know, he, they, he <laughs> worked so hard to retool a slider and you could really see the difference at the end of the year. And that would be hilarious. I, to your question about who's trade bait, they should all be trade bait. I, I like, if you can make your team better, oh. they all should be trade bait. I, I hate to be that way. I love them all. I do think Brendan Donovan, because of his position versatility and because he's a high on base guy and a high contact guy, I think he has more value uh, to the Cardinals. I'm not saying like he's the most attractive prospect or the most to other organizations because uh, he's clearly the most attractive to the five of us or the four of us or however many people are here. Um, he, is, he is a short king. He is beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. A little stout, little stout boy. You know, uh, I, I would, I'd be willing to listen on all of them. Uh, and then to, to kind of like flesh out for the audience, I believe what we talked about last time was it, when we talked, uh, we were talking about who was the most valuable of the rookies to the Cardinals last year. You know, it was during season when we talked, mm-hmm. and I, I thought at the time, as much as I thought Donovan was really important, I don't, you know, Palante going from the reliever role to the starter role, getting exposed as a starter and still kind of working through it, uh, filling valuable innings in the bullpen. I just, he was so important to the pitching staff last year that it, it's hard to imagine. It's, it's hard to imagine a more valuable and important piece to what the Cardinals did last year. Um, you know, as far as the outlook for all of them, I still think that the Cardinals will go into the year with an outfield of uh, O'Neill. Newt Bar and Carlson, and and I think that that gives Burleson at bats. I don't know how many at bats and corners here and there. You know, uh, uh, the, they talked about bringing in a lefty. I don't know in what capacity if that's infield or outfield. Uh, what I would personally do is 
I would hand the starting shortstop job to Tommy Edmond, and I'd have Brendan Donovan, your everyday second baseman. I'd have Nolan Gorman work to make the major league roster to prove that he's made the adjustment to the high fastball. And also the, 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 you know, cause he's over adjusting now to the high fastball, which means he's getting over aggressive at low dirt breaking pitches. Uh, prove to me that he's made that adjustment. Um, uh, and then Juan Yepes, I give every opportunity to be the, the, the near everyday DH mm-hmm. um, prove that he's made the adjustment to the outside pitch. Um, like, and also bring in a right-handed bat and a left-handed bat to give yourself a, a little bit of leeway in case none of it works out the way you want it to. Um, okay. I think I think Zach Thompson has kind of put himself in a position where he's almost certainly destined to be a long-term bullpen option. Uh, I, I don't know if they, the Cardinals can go, get away with anything else at this point. I, I think him and JoJo Romero in particular uh, end up playing a very important, you know, left-handed bullpen a role for the Cardinals moving forward. You know, I'm not as high on Henesis. I know that there was some talk about Henesis looking better at AAA at the end of the yeah. year last year. I did not have that feeling watching him. Um, that's not just because he got blowed up in his last uh, his last appearance. He also doesn't post like high swing and miss stuff for a guy who throws like an electric heater like that is. He doesn't even punch out a, a guy per inning and he walks a lot of dudes. Exactly. And, exactly. Like that's the thing we've lacked. Our bullpen, our pitching staff had a great bend, don't break mentality, and our bullpen really shaped up after June. But the thing they struggled mightily in was punching motherfuckers out. And we saw Philly with yeah. that wild card series. Could have really used someone to punch a motherfucker out with that bases loaded scenario. There's so much wild shit that can happen on a on a ball in play. You need a guy to punch dudes out. Yeah, damn right. And it, you don't even like – it's not even a matter of like getting somebody who, who can strike out somebody like 30 or 35% of the time. Right. No Edwin Diaz shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause that like that, not only is it hard, but mm. hard to do, but like, you know, it, it's not feasible a lot of times. You just need somebody who can come in and, and get that like 25 to 28% strikeout rate. Like, you know, yeah. that, still be, you know, 25 ish and not walk a ton of people. And I like, I, I think Zach Thompson's, kind of put himself in that role. I, I think that the Cardinals will rely on him for that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the only person that we haven't talked about is Matthew Libertor. And honestly, like it's all on Matthew now, you know, yeah. the, his, his development was rushed and his fastballs aren't particularly good, both the four seam and the sinker. And he, you know, when you watch his pitches move, uh, you can tell that the, he works best off of the four seamer, although the, the four seamer is worse than the two seamer and he doesn't pitch with aggressiveness, you know, when he's pitching in the minor leagues and he's aggressive, he's at his best. He looks like a major league starter. He hasn't done that yet in the, in the majors. And he didn't really do it at the minors last year. Uh, His velocity was down. He needs to maintain at least mid nineties velocity throughout six innings in order to be super effective. Uh, So it's up to him to find his level of training to get all of his shit together. And it's also up to the Cardinals to recognize that his fastballs are bad. And maybe you just use him as that guy if he's going to start that doesn't throw the fastball more than 20% of the time, you know, between the two-seamer and the four-seamer. And, and just see what happens. Just give it a try. You know, use use the curve and the slider and the changeup to both handed hitters and use them 80% of the time and just see what happens. And maybe you yeah. get through a couple six-inning starts, you know, get, to, get into the sixth inning a couple times. He doesn't let up a couple runs. And you realize that you have something that you can actually work with, or he continues to gain velocity and find that, you know, starting a start 
hitting 97, throwing 95, 94 in the fifth or sixth inning. And then he's mm-hmm. back to being a feasible person who can get a feasible starting pitcher who can get away with having an average to blow a pair of fastballs because at least the velocity is a little high. Yeah. We mentioned uh, everyone being available for trade and uh, Ryan has been, uh, been stirring this uh, with uh, yeah. fellow Cardinals There's Twitter a... people. What's the rumor going on between us and our Canadian brothers, Ryan? Who's, who's, a, who, who's, I haven't well, heard I don't of know there's a rumor, stores, but, there's, but there's a death cult around uh, Lars Newfar. <laughs> like. um, what did Nick say? Like, like every you can only off- trade him for Mike Trout. That is the only person we can trade Lars Newfar yeah. for. Did you see this? There being such a um, like an affection, like that Lars Newfar was going to have such a dire army behind him coming to the uh, minor leagues. And when uh, you so- trade him from Danny Jansen. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Part of me wants to see them trade him for Danny Jansen. Just watch some of these maniacs lose their mind. Oh, you don't fucking say, huh? <laughs> what does Danny Jansen have to bring? Hmm. Yeah, eleventh exactly. most valuable catcher, more wars uh, since 2018 than Yadier Molina, the highest runs created plus among. Ca- nah, he's a scrub. Keep the pepper grinder guy. Lars is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I would say that in the minors, I did not expect it because the truth is before 2020, he was a non-prospect. And I've actually had conversations with people uh, in in the business about this. He was a non-prospect. I didn't view him as a prospect. He had a good eye and a good walk to strikeout rate that had had him on a couple people's radar, but he didn't swing with intent. He was kind of chunky in a weird way. He ran kind of clunky and he like none of it looked like a prospect, but he spent all that time during COVID getting better and getting in a lab and making the most of himself. So, you know, I would say that when he made his major league debut and just because of his name alone, there, there was already kind of a rabid fan base. I think, I think that that like that starts this. And then, you know, he, for some reason he can get away with doing shit that Harrison Bader couldn't, you know, to the fan base. Like it it seemed like if, if he did half of the stuff that Harrison Bader did or Bader did half of the shit that he did, like, and I was not a big, like the world's biggest Harrison Bader fan, but like there's a double standard there in a weird way that I can't quite understand. I think it's probably just the lack, you know, overexposure. It's the haircut. It's the haircut. That's it. Bader was too sexy. He led the league in drip factor. So we were all intimidated by a fucking level 10 mafia boss, Giga Chad, like Harrison Bader. It was just jealousy. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, look, I think, I think there's a couple things that plays into it, right? I think modern stats change the whole conversation about Lars Newbar. You can look and you can see that he had a 125 WRC plus that he he's a productive slugging hitter who, uh, you know, when you look at his baseball savant page, there's a lot of, a lot pink, of red, a lot of pink to red. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I think that reasonably so when your other question, your other outfielders are question marks, it's reasonable to try to cling to this one player who is modern in a time when it doesn't feel like the Cardinals have a lot that's modern. Yeah. Um, so like I get it from that aspect, but I, I don't, I don't get the philosophy of he should be untradeable because he is the best of three. Yeah. I, I think that all that does is handcuff you. I think that for a long time, the Cardinals have been operating kind of in that, that zone. And I think that's why they're constantly remaking their outfield and instead it, of being aggressive. In this you know, hypothetical here of, you know, a new part of Jansen trade, it's harder, I would say, to find good, clean, 
production from the catching position. It is a very demanding sport, and having a slugging catcher who plays adequate defense is hard to come by. Yeah, I think replacing an outfielder is an easier task that can be accomplished. You know, I know our outfield was very con- inconsistent. Lars came up, and, and keep in mind, that 125 WRC plus is, of course, the whole season. The motherfucker was crazy from June till the end of the season. He was one. He was a top hitting outfielder in the majors in terms of like his OPS. And the thing we brought up that I was super impressed by is his 20 percent like walk rate, which exactly. is incredibly valuable. All right, extra base hits are awesome. Get on base, and I was really impressed by that. I don't think like. Uh, one, I think people cling to Newt that he is, you know, I, I'm just an idiot fan here, okay? I don't look at him as, like, mm-hmm. all-star, as an all-star. I look at him as a Robbie Grossman type of player, great eye, uh, has occasional pop, good hitter, okay? Robbie Grossman ain't lighting things on fire, but he can hit you 20 home runs and get on, and get on base at a 350, 360 clip. Like trading him for a hypothetical capture in this sense is not the end of the world. One, because I think you can replace the production that, you know, an outfielder, whether it's him or people clamoring that Tyler O'Neill is going to get shipped to Canada. He's going to be reunited with his countrymen. You know, I think it's easier to replace a, a void in the outfield than it is behind the dish. We saw how much, even with Yachty, let's be honest, you know, Yachty's defense was the most valuable thing, but the guy hit like shit. Like, let's, yeah. Like, you know, we saw how horrible our our battery was when it came to came to slugging this past season. How it, like it was auto out, like you know whether it's through trade or signing, you know, uh, you know Wilson Contreras who definitely carries the bat but not the fielding, or uh, Christian Vasquez whose hitting has been down the past couple of years but is an elite defender. I mean. I don't know. I think it's hard. It, it's harder to 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 make up to create. I would say meaningful production from the catching position. So like I, it's not like if you know in this scenario you trade Newt Bar for a catcher that you're literally pissing away the greatest outfielder. I think you're attaining like a, a hole that is you know a chasm that is way more concerning than one you can fill in with a Burleson, a free agent, another trade or begin making room for Walker uh, later in 2023 to 2024. So um, that's what I'm proposing in that aspect, you know, the, the combo there. That, Let uh, me, Danny yeah, my, my only thing about Jansen is the years of control. And I think I think yeah, he, I'm, he's, it's pretty much out of it, right? Because he's got what one, maybe he's making like two to three million, right? Yeah, I, I think he has two or th- I thought it was two or three. I, yeah, I don't remember. He's, he's running out of it, obviously. But I, like if I if I know the Cardinals, they're not the type of team that would trade Lars Newtbar, who has a lot of control, who has a lot of control, and is because of those those sliders on Savant, and because of his skill set, and because of the work he's put in, mm-hmm. and because of the publicity he's gotten for putting in the work. Uh, the Cardinals, they don't generally trade a prospect when he's at the height of their value or has right. the potential to reach new heights. And if they were to trade him, it would. I don't think it would be for someone like Danny Jansen. If he's yeah. going to get traded, it's going to be for somebody like Sean Murphy or Alejandro Kirk, somebody mm. who has you know three years of three plus years of of control at the very least. Mm. I, it's just 
it would be very unlike them. It would say it would smell of desperation. And I, I don't think that they're desperate in this situation. You know, they, they desperately need a catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that with the options on the market, they don't ha- they don't have a need to be desperate just yet. Definitely not. Because, uh, yeah, they have the free agent signings. They have very they have decent catchers in the free agency. But the Cardinals, I would say, also know that they have like players and well, obviously prospects. So I think in like they would trade big league players that are valuable in a trade that they could muster a trade. So, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I agree. They, they know they're while it's dire in the sense of fi- filling that production, they know they have a litany of options and they have the material to acquire those if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my whole thing this offseason, and it's not going to happen is, you know, I would go into the season with the outfield intact. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I think there's value in that. And I know people are down on Dylan Carlson because of his hard hit rate, which has always been a thing for him. And a lot of that stems from how he hits left-handed and it's always stemmed from how he's hit left-handed, mm-hmm. but I'm not down on him the way that everyone else is. I never will be. And I think it's funny that the two outfielders that were talking about being trash and being having issues and they do have issues we're both league at above league league average ish hitters from a weighted runs created standpoint last year, which uh, is O'Neill and um, Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. They which were, they, they're, they're they just awful. get hurt all exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah, what, what is, what is in our outfield? It's made of glass or something. <laughs> that's that's canon is what it is. He's too fucking strong. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's, it's fascinating in general. Like I, I am, I am completely intrigued with Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. And it bums me out that it's injuries that, you know, injuries being the reason why everybody wants to move on from both of them. You know, Dylan Carlson for two months dealt with the wrist thing uh, and, and maybe even some lower body issues that we don't exact, we don't exactly know about. Yeah. Um, but specifically a wrist issue. And he was still a league average producer. You know, Tyler O'Neill obviously has uh, now what is a book of injuries that have crippled his ability to be, a solid contributor at the major league level on a daily, daily basis. We also have two straight years where he got off to a really terrible start and needed an IL stint to get his shit together. But both of those seasons, when he was healthy, he was like a Lars Newtbar weighted runs created level mm-hmm. producer. Like last year from coming off of the first IL stint in the middle of June until the end of his season, he was like a 125 WRC plus guy with 12 home runs and 250 plate appearances or something like that. Yep. Like, we're so quick to move on from that. Like, I think that it's in the Cardinals' best interest to keep the outfield that they have and find some other way to bring in a left-handed bat. Like, and they won't do it, but the way to do it is to either sign Vasquez as your catcher and bring in Trey Turner or to trade for one of use use Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor and, you know, some of your other minor league depth to trade for one of the catchers and sign Trey Turner. Yeah. I think I think that changes. Oh, Trey Turner, here we go. No, that's like he's the guy. And sure you're probably going to have to give him more years than you feel comfortable with. And sure speed is the first thing to degenerate uh, for a pro athlete. But I like he is their player. You know, even coming off of a down year, relatively speaking for him offensively, he's still got MVP votes this year. You know, 20 plus Tommy home runs, had, 100 stakes. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy Tommy Edmond had the best year of his career, and he didn't get uh, MVP uh, any MVP votes. And this is even at the time when people will just base 
will vote based on war now. Like that's yeah. kind of how we this the society's adapted for the, the votes. So like for me, if you want to make the team better and you want to give your outfield a chance to prove what they have, which includes Alec Burleson, uh, and then also gives you a chance to give Jordan Walker like real at bats later on in the year, uh, and also buys you a little time with Jordan Walker, you don't fuck with the outfield. Like the outfield is a headache you don't have to deal with just yet, unless you can use one of those three to get better somewhere else. And Correct. then sure, you adjust. But uh, uh, again, no one should be off limits, uh, except for Wayno probably for the sentiment of it all. But no one should be off limits. He's getting 200, goddammit. He's getting 200. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get 200, hopefully. Okay, so your offseason, we have like a prediction list going here, so we can play this game with you here. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up like a couple names that we'll, we'll let mainly ask what you think the cards are going to or what they should shoot for. And then we'll propose a couple of the other ones we're doing. And if you win, we'll, uh, we'll buy you a lot of liquor. Um, huh. So what what's the what's the wish list here for the car well not the wish list we know what that is what what do you what's the real what's the realistic um uh optics here of what the cardinals accomplish this offseason you guys mind if i, I need booze i'm sorry i need booze. Go for it and you know what to everybody who's listening uh you're gonna you're gonna want to get booze too because this is going to be a sobering experience this is good <laughs> they're not gonna do shit ladies no so like you know i've been joking Oh, you know what? I'm not going to turn on a light. I kind of like this. Holy cow! It's like the Blair <laughs> Witch, but for you assholes. Hell yeah, dude! This is all you. All, all we need is uh, a thin smell of chloroform. That's all we. Oh need. no, I got that. That's here. <laughs> I got that here. <laughs> I really talks about. I chloroform. like the lampshade. Is that real human skin? That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Uh, oh, nice rug. <laughs> nice rug you left the you left the eyeballs in that's very nice (laughs) we uh we've joked about it a lot in uh, one of the uh like i have a prospects after dark fantasy league a fantasy baseball league that we started when prospects after dark first became a thing and uh, i'm not actually in the league anymore which is hilarious he's been banned uh, prospects after dark chat and uh, you know they're not look they're not going to sign trey turner that's not going to happen it's stupid and they should do it just like they should have done Bryce Harper. Uh, but here we are again, we're talking about Trey Turner and, uh, but they're not going to do it. So like, like, wouldn't it be the most Cardinal thing on earth if their, their off season consists of like, all right, we did it. You guys, we got Jose Iglesias. Uh, we, <laughs> we got Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. yeah. And we got, we got Kiner Falefa. We got Kiermaier and we got, you know, Fucking we got Kiermaier. Christian basket. We, we got our guys. It was like, that's who, and you know what? We're gonna during the season, we're gonna bring in uh, Drew Verhagen from Japan again. And, uh, he's, gonna, <laughs> he's gonna fill out some innings for us. Uh, Drew Verhagen two um, So yeah, like that. I think I still think that that's gonna be the most likely outcome. I think it's gonna be frustrating, and I think it's gonna be the first time that we've had an off season that even even smart, uh, even level headed fans like me uh, are gonna be frustrated with them. Because it doesn't make any sense on uh, on our prediction. Well, one of the best things I love that happens is like we're going to spend more money, and they spent the last two weeks walking that back. Like, yeah, yeah. all the media was like, "Well, we actually have already spent all the money." So it was kind of like what I was thinking. <laughs> it was already spent. Like, well, that's the thing I was thinking. They were, you know, when people brought up the exploration of the trade with Toronto, I'm like, I'm like, not quite outside the realm of reality because in our little prediction list, we all unanimously think the Cardinals will consider. Wilson Contreras, um, arguably, you know, best slugging catcher for the last seven years. 
in the majors. Um, the more that the league trans uh, transitions to like an automated strike zone, the less you really need to give a fuck about defense. Um, but like the more I think about like just just how the Cardinals are with spending money, I'm like I can see them finagling a trade for like a guy with arbitration years or a cheap salary more so than dealing out an annual, you know, like a 15 to $20 million contract or AAV to, to a guy like Wilson Contreras. I I still like the idea that we would ship, ship for him, but like, yeah, it, I, to add to the chaos of what the off season is, we have no fucking idea. They're going to get a catcher. We don't know if they're going to play the frugal game and bounce someone or if, yeah, they're willing to actually shell out some cash for a good hitter like uh, like Wilson Gutierrez. And it's, you know, Christian Vasquez is going to cost money too as well. He ain't going to be like a one-and-a-half to $2 million guy. He's going to be, yeah, eight to 12, I would say. Um, I hate I hate to interrupt you there, but I, I, I've been wondering this entire time, like what is your actual assessment of Yvonne Herrera? Like he only got a cup of coffee last year. He's yeah. still our guy. Granted, yeah. Kisner was much better throughout his minor league career than Herrera. I would pitch that to to Kyle. Like I like, I don't know. I figure like in 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 how uh like historically how like catching prospects are like well not prospects but you know young players are viewed. There, I would often say like it's probably like one of the hardest positions to determine like what is you know what what is productive at the big league level. Sure. you know, and what your patience needs to be with, with, with someone like that. Um, but I would more or less punt that to, uh, to Kyle, Kyle. Do you, yeah. So my, you know, my thought, Yvonne is, Herrera. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes we, we, we try our hardest to draw parallels between players, but remember you have Andrew Kisner, who is kind of his own little thing because he was an, a third baseman at NC state before mm-hmm. they turned him into a catcher. And then, you know, he's drafted as a catcher, but, Basically, the Cardinals, you know, his first year that he was drafted, he plays a little bit like splits his time between first base and DH and catcher for Johnson City. And then he kind of works his way into a catcher role and and earns a catching job and is still trying to get better and better at it. You know, Ivan Herrera enters the organization at 17 or 18 and has been catching his whole life. Yeah. And, you know, is really impressive from the get go. You know, Kisner was never a top 100 prospect. Avon Herrera has been, and he's been on the fringes of it a couple years. You know, I, I, let me say this about Andrew Kisner, is I think there are certain players that really suffered from 2020. And I think that there are certain players who really suffer from circumstance. And I think both of those things happen with Andrew Kisner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, he, I still maintain that he'd be a really good backup for 60 to 80 games a year that could do some damage with the bat. And I don't mean like home run damage. I mean, probably like 250, 310, you know, 380 on a slug, get close to 700 OPS. Yeah. Which again, might Very not be passable good. for a backup. Very good. Yeah. I would say for a backup catcher. Exactly. Right. Somebody who, if you pair with a decent, a decent catcher, you're going to get four war from four and a half, five war from, you know, yeah. as a total, you know, uh, so, so I, I still think that's it. Look, Avon Herrera, the sky's the limit with him. He has all the athleticism, all of the skill in the world to be one of the best catchers in the league. Uh, the problem is being a catcher in the league is really fucking tough. 
Yes. It's the toughest thing in all of sports. I played catcher in high school. Let me tell you, that shit is hard. Yeah, exactly. Hard. Exactly. It's funny. Everybody else when they talk about high school, like, oh, I was a, gr- I was fucking, I was easy and I was good and I was great in high school. And high school catchers are like, that fucking sucked. I fucking hated it. Oh, it sucked. It sucked. Yeah. I was yeah. all conference, no pussy. <laughs> I love Jesus. Ben Deluzio, I'm looking out for you, brother. It's the Jesus worship the sniz. Come on, brother. Become a catcher. Become a snatcher. You can do it. Anyway, that's inappropriate. I apologize. Um, seemed pretty appropriate to me. What? What? Okay, so we we as a group were we were really big on Wilson Contreras. Uh, uh, on a scale from uh one to the R word, uh, how would you how would you rate? How would you rate the possible? What would you rank our uh, our, our our ideation for Wilson Contreras being on this team? It's a, it's a 50 50 for me. Okay, you're like so you're milk toast. You're like that'd be good, but also Did you just call me milk toast, motherfucker. No, <laughs> I am I am more milk you're, toast than you could ever imagine. You're, no, about to- everything. you're a little cinnamon <laughs> toast boy. <laughs> <laughs> call me milk toast. I'm milk toast. <laughs> so like, you're in the middle on it. So what? So what's your apprehension with it? My apprehension is that even uh, like it's not about framing, right? It's about pitch calling and it's about game yeah. management and it's about handling a staff and it's about athleticism behind the plate. Like we can say whatever we want about pudgy ass Yachty back there, but Yachty had a certain amount of athleticism that Wilson Contreras doesn't have anymore. Yeah. So for me, like the fewer years, the more on board I am with it. And it's not even necessarily about AAV. And, you know, I know a lot of people talk about his bat, but if you're banking on signing this guy for $20 million a year, which is nearly all of your remaining offseason budget has been reported, which mm-hmm. I still don't, I still, I'm telling you, I have a firm belief that they will go beyond that if an opportunity rises that's perfect for them. Not yeah. much, but they will. Um, if you're going to commit all of that to Wilson Contreras, where you're not even sure if he's going to be able to catch next year uh, and, you know, be effective, you know, part of the reason that the Cardinals are looking for a catcher. It's you know it has to do with Kisner's ability to hit and his you know inabilities and how, what he didn't do last year, but it's also concerns that they have about him behind the plate. And yes. Kisner is not that far off from Wilson Contreras behind the plate, but in with, terms of like game management and defense, then yeah, okay, exactly, exactly. So like I understand the the fans' inclination for an offensive upgrade, and I understand now that we have the DH and the NL. That it's easy to default to. Well, if he can't catch, then he can he can DH, and he's probably the type of player that would probably do pretty well DHing on a regular basis. Yeah, I hate the idea with other options available and with the prospect capital to make a trade happen. That that is the direction that you would go in at catcher. Uh, you, don't, you don't even know if that player is going to be able to catch even at the end of this year. And he might be able to. Uh, and the other thing is there's a lot of reports out of Chicago that he pulled the reins up pretty hard at the end of the year last year after the trade deadline for his contract. And uh-huh. again, the reports are reports. And if it's coming out of Chicago, they're probably exaggerated. But like, I don't want that. I, I, I don't want that at all. Like, I, I think that like for me, I'd rather have Vasquez and I'd rather allocate those funds somewhere else if the Cardinals are actually going to allocate those funds somewhere else. Which so, I, I okay. So you're, you would, uh, so priority in terms of catching then for this offseason, you would more or less value more, more defensive 
more so than like a bopper, correct? I think guy who think, works behind the dish way better than he sp- swings the magic wand, right? Give me somebody who has chemistry with the pitching staff. Give me okay. like that's I think that's important because especially because this pitching staff doesn't have strikeout stuff. Yeah. Which means that you can't just put a catcher back there and and you know the more strikeout stuff, the better chance a pitcher has of getting quote unquote lucky, which mm-hmm. means that a catcher has a better chance of getting quote unquote lucky. Uh, and the Cardinals don't have that margin of error. The, the, it's just not there for them. So give me somebody who has the chemistry, who can create chemistry and they can create it quick, who already commands respect uh, as a game caller, as a catcher, and who will put potentially young arms in the best position to have success. And that last one specifically is something Wilson Contreras hasn't even had the chance to have experience at. So we don't even know if he'd be good at that. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at Omar Narvaez a little bit there. Uh-huh. We do, do stand yeah. Omar or Omar Novaez here. I was looking. Yeah. I'm looking at his fan graphs and like, yeah, my assessment of like Contreras was decent arm at throwing out guys. All right, catcher ERA in terms of run saved on it, but yeah, not a great pitch framer. Pretty much like a very average fielding catcher. Like yeah, right yeah. So and that's like you would be more in favor of either Vasquez or you're more in favor of pulling the trigger on a trade then. Yeah, I think that they're in a unique position. And it's tough because, you know, if there's one thing we learned from Royce Clayton is you don't want to, like, make somebody the heir apparent for a Cardinal Hall of Famer or a Baseball Hall of Famer or one of the best defensive players in the history of baseball. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you don't want to force any young player into that role. But I think they're in a unique position with available trade options where they can at least in the next couple of years have an, have an answer for that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. and that's on the trade market and they have the capital to get it done and, yeah. and so like i don't i don't think that that's wilson Contreras. i think that's wilson like wilson Contreras is that name but i don't think he's that person if that makes sense if it you know, were to be wilson for like three years like as a placeholder for yvonne would that be all right or you're like we need a yeah we can do way better elsewhere then i want to see how again like i don't like to i don't like to deal in certainties and i would like to see yeah. how things have worked out at that point. Like if it's, if it's all of a sudden, like to trade for Sean Murphy, you have to give up Tink Hens and Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, or like in the Soto deal where it was, you know, I have Mason Wynn throws too hard. So as we all know, he doesn't respect the game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like, you know, if it ends up being like the Soto deal where I have it on pretty good authority that for the nationals nationals, it wasn't just Gorman. It wasn't just Carlson. It wasn't just Walker. It would have been Walker and Carlson and Gorman and Wynn and probably Graceffo. The fucking house. Exactly. Like the, the, the nationals, uh, Player, the Nationals front office valued the Padres prospects more than they valued the Cardinals prospects. So that's why it got done. The players and prospects. So that's why it got done. Mm. If you run into that, that with Oakland or you run into that with Toronto and you can't make that happen and, you know, all of a sudden some of your, your offensive targets are starting to fall off the board and you sign Wilson Contreras, then for three years, yeah, you know what? That's, that's a good deal. It's a smart deal. It makes the offense better buys you some time at catcher to let Yvonne Herrera and maybe even Andrew Kisner assert themselves in a Get more respectful William Contreras and swap him out. Yeah, yeah there. Exactly. <laughs> that can be viewed as problematic, but I'm just pretending that brothers look alike here. Anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll bleep that out. And uh, no, we won't. We stand 
we stand by our jokes. Okay. No. Hey, I've mentioned that I'm incestuous with my brother all the time, and we look oh, exactly yeah. like. So good luck with that. <laughs> if they kiss, they swap faces. Yeah. <laughs> that is Midwestern science. <laughs> I'm just taking his life essence every time I stick my tongue down my brother's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So before we put a pin in it and then go on to the real fun stuff. All right. Like, okay. Think of like the five available catchers via, via trade. And free agency. So rank them for us. Like, like if you had to be like, you know, be- before, so you become less milk toast and you be cold, you become more steaming hot tea here. Okay? You're just milk at that point. It's just milk at that point. Who, who would, you know, who would your number one be? Uh, so if I'm the Cardinals, it's Sean Murphy. Fucking A. Or hard for Sean you. Murphy. Thank but if you. It's, if it's me. Josh has been pounding that drum, baby. Yeah, damn right he's been pounding that drum. My ass. Is the whole drums, plural. I got some cool shit down there. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. All right, Real. so Sean Murphy's your number one. No, if I'm the Cardinals, Sean oh. Murphy is my number one. If it's me, it's Alejandro Kirk. Yeah. I love that fucking rules. All my heart. <laughs> he, oh, he's a pudgy short. Yeah. MLB great. show create a player of a person. Dude, he is. Yeah. Great defense. Great defense. He's a catcher. Doesn't strike out a lot. Like, what the fuck? That doesn't happen. He's like, uh, maybe I'll hit you like double-digit homers, but I'll hit like 280 and get on base. I'll fucking have like a 750 to 820 like OPS. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? Tom, have you ever seen Alejandro Kirk run? I have. I've seen him get triples because he, he had like that cup of coffee like in a, when he got called up. And I was like, look at this fucking guy. I'd be like, yeah, yeah this this dude has – Let's be honest, my body, I'm built like a I'm built like a king. But I, I never felt more represented since Jed Jerko. Is what yeah, damn right. <laughs> yeah. So He'd like horrible. <laughs> for for me, it'd be Kirk. Yeah. But like if I'm the Cardinals, it'd be Murphy, because Murphy's a little bit more of a professional. He yeah. kind of fits into that mental mold that Arenado and Goldschmidt and Bueno, like he's that professional type. Like He's the most cardinals of all of them. Probably loves uh, Jesus. Yeah. So yeah. As we get uh, talking about tying the night together. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, after that with the cardinals, I would probably do, if I'm the cardinals, I would probably do Kirk second. And then I'd probably do Vasquez third. I do Contreras fourth. And then who's, who's the fifth? Would fifth be Jansen? You throw in Danny Jansen if you want. Yeah. The fifth would be Jansen for me. Okay. Uh, now, for me personally, I do Kirk. I do Murphy. I'd probably do Jansen and then Vasquez and Wilson Contreras. So, you for you personally, you would look at trade options before free agent. Yeah. Yeah, because I would want to allocate those dollars somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I think that you can make your team better and solve some issues by allocating that money somewhere else. And we I will think- start start a campaign for Aaron Judge saying bring him home and just start yeah. pretending that he's always been <laughs> bring home the judge. Yeah, he went to Slough High. Like exactly. That yeah, what high school did you go to? You go to Rockwood? Where'd you go? I'm pretty sure I could convince people that he was drafted out of grade school. Like the first time he was drafted was out of grade school. Uh, he went to St. Joan of Arc. He, uh, you know, in the in the 39th round, uh, his his mom works for the Cardinals front office. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Judge was drafted. His dad worked at the old Chrysler plant. Like yeah. at third grade. <laughs> what better time for Elon to buy Twitter? Holy shit! <laughs> oh God, what a 
Oh, hey, you know, uh, more of his staff has like chosen to resign, but now he hasn't accepted resignations. We love him right now. What a bumbling fucking idiot. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. The worst part, though, is uh, I uh, made a made a joke under under a tweet that went viral and then I went viral. I have over 16,000 likes and it's a living hell. I'm <laughs> not I, I should just turn off notifications, but my iPad is constantly while I'm like reading or playing a game. It's like. Uh, pansexual anarchist likes your tw- likes your tweet. <laughs> uh, fucking trans commie loves your tre- tweet. Tom, what what was your tweet? I didn't I didn't see this. It, it was uh one of Twitter. It, it was a Twitter engineer making fun of Elon Musk because he's like, I don't give a fuck, fire me, whatever. And uh, someone <laughs> posted him roasting a guy who who was just dick riding him, being like, you obviously don't care about your job. And the guy was like, me and you went to college together. You still wear your bike helmet to class, you dork. <laughs> and then I looked, under it. I looked under I'm like, I'll, I'll have a laugh at this. And so there's like this right wing grift asshole named the quartering who's just like a gamer gate, like fucking residue left over. <laughs> and so like super anti women is just a fucking he's just a he's just a scumbag. So he basically posted the same thing. And then uh, this engineer uh, posted like a tweet of him making we're so deep. This is, this is <laughs> not into it, this is what made me famous, and this is why I'm your new president, folks. This is what uh, made me famous. Fucking he so this engineer who just woke up and chose violence, who was who is the bane because he was molded by Twitter. Um, he posted like a link of like the quartering like a long ago talking about how he, he like would piss in his basement. And the guy was like, Do you still piss in your basement like a puppy? And like, all I posted was those screenshots of me laughing at it and being like, I don't mean to one up you, but this one, there's a big banger like left in here. And then we all had a big giggle about it. And everyone was like, you know what? This Tom Cook guy, I'm going to like this tweet of his and he'll never understand a moment's peace on his phone or iPad for the next five days. It's a living hell. Let's shut this shit down. This is the last episode. If we I roll, this is terrible. All right. Is this is this is this that that cook from Apple? Is this a CEO of this? T- is this t- oh, it's Tom Cook. What the fuck oh. does he believe in? Who is this weird guy? <laughs> I get the feeling that he makes vaguely racist jokes, but oh, at the fuck. same time, he's a communist. What the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Who is this chubby Nick Mullen wannabe? But let's move that if that wasn't fun for everyone, let's move on to the fun stuff. Okay. So we made like a point system for who we think guys are going and all that. But the big stuff we made is uh uh this. And let's see if uh let's see if we let's see <laughs> let's see what you got here. We have uh predictions who we think is gonna go to jail. P-E-D- Tommy Fam. Who? Tommy Fam. Tommy Fam all a choice. Oh, that's a good one. Uh we all picked Marcellus. <laughs> <laughs> hey that guy's he's avoided so much uh jail time that i don't believe he'll ever go to jail you got tommy fam what's tommy fam gonna go to jail for do we uh, do i even need to say it go fire away i'm stabbing I someone he's gonna eventually <laughs> he's gonna get his retribution probably a relative oh yeah oh my god that's very you know what that's a good one Kyle Reese is going to win this one. We're going to have so much uh, crumble coin. You yeah, crumble know. coin. We haven't made up crypto that we can give you crumble points for, Kyle. We, <laughs> it's a Lithuanian uh, cro- cryptocurrency that I use to launder my friend's money, so don't tell them it's a secret. Uh, you're, P- you're just going to give it to somebody that you hardly know, and you're going to let them do whatever <laughs> they want with it. Uh, who's your prediction for PED suspension? 
PED suspension? Yeah, who's going to get popped? I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I want it to be. I want it to be Alejandro Kirk. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's your what king. About that, what about that Willem Astudio? That other oh, round. Oh, the other short king. Yeah, the utility guy who throws forty mile an hour popcorn and gets mad when people hit home runs off of it. That's a good exactly. one. Exactly. Like I want to see it be somebody who we're all like, "What the fuck was he doing?" Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Nick had an, a good one for uh, goes to jail. He picked Cody Bellinger. <laughs> oh fuck. What okay. Willens Ostidio. That's a good one. We uh we went with Carlos Santana, Mike Trout, Rafael Devers, and our favorite. Pete Alonzo, World Trade Center Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we we well Rob is gonna tell him what the goofus is. Should we do uh Josh, what do you think we should ask? Social media canceling or dies? Di- we have dies, one this is because called that dies. was All mine. Right. That was my baby. That was my <laughs> idea. <laughs> it could just be metaphorically. Who do you think dies this year? <laughs> no, it's actually Mike Shannon. Who, who really Mike does? Shannon. Okay. <laughs> I tell you what, John Rudy, I ain't feeling so hot. I've been drinking Budweiser since the start of every day from my life. That's why I'm 150 years old. So let me can I can I explain why that's the first thing on my mind? Fire away, man. As I'm driving into work this morning, I hear the new, you know, one of the newer Fast Eddie's commercials, and Shannon used to be on them, and now Jason Isringhausen is. Oh, perfect choice. And he, they're actually they're really good, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, because they're terrible. But uh, he, 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 you know, he's like, like, Mr. what is is he says, like, like Mr. Shannon used to say, it always be, you know, whatever the fucking catchphrase. And yeah, is. he slurs it too. Exactly. <laughs> like, like Mr. Shannon used to say, uh, go to the plantation to get your finest chicken wings or whatever Mr. Oh, Shannon Christ. used to say. Uh, but, but uh, so I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what Mike Shannon's up to. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, wait, the last four or five times we've seen Mike Shannon, he looked like death incarnate. Uh, so that's, and I've been thinking about it all day. So thank you for asking. It's like Richard Nixon <laughs> in a presidential debate. I am, dr- I, dead. I am doing fine, Kyle <laughs> drinking adrenochrome out of the spinal fluid of, of t- <laughs> <laughs> They sent me to use prospects, and I just found <laughs> <found> them up. <laughs> Kramer Robertson wasn't here. Cody Whitley wasn't the FA to release. He was sent to. He was he was sent he was sent to Mount Doom, the Shannon Estate. I devoured his spinal have now have now rolled back the aging of time by five years. I picked uh, Mets fan base. Um, Ryan, Ryan's was a banger. Ryan had no uh, no no hesitation. Do you remember who you picked, Ryan? I don't remember what happened yesterday. What did I, what did I think? Without hesitation, you went Dylan Bundy. Which <laughs> <laughs> Nick picked Carlos Martinez because he hits him. And Josh, Josh with the meanest one, picked two stacked kings in. Who was it? Uh, Daniel Vogelbach and uh, the, who's the guy in the Brewers? And uh, Rowdy Talese. Rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> Rowdy Talese. He yep. picked. He fucking hates Shrek. That's what Josh is telling us. He's not a fan of Shrek. Well, whenever Nick fucking called Daniel Vogelbach an ogre, I could just never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking get out of his swamp. Oh, the Blues just gave up the lead. This is great. Let's focus back on the podcast. What, uh, who said Carlos Martinez? <clears throat> Nick did. Nick, Man, uh, no, that's, I, yeah, we probably shouldn't joke around about that, but 
He's and he seems to be doing really well in the Mexican league. Yeah. But I hope that I hope you know I love Carlos. I hope he gets his shit together. It was sad how it ended up here uh, with the. Uh... Was it uh oh fuck? Was it domestic violence or sexual violence allegations? Like, who gives a shit about popping steroids? I get it. You're a million dollar athlete. That's your livelihood. I get performance enhancing stuff on it. But that was, I don't know. It 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 was is, you know, Levitt. My my hesit not hesitation. My thoughts afterwards is you know it's a terrible situation. But uh, you know, I I'm curious how much the organization knew. It, it hold on. This is getting too serious. We gotta laugh now. Okay, uh, we hope Carlos you get better and not die. We hope what you're if Dylan Bundy dies. Well, you know, you realize that if Dylan <laughs> Bundy dies. Like... I, was, I was like, metaphorically, what do you think dies? And uh, my friends are like, people, they die. <laughs> <laughs> they die. We take it very literally here. Yeah. The I final one. Yeah. The final one we have is called the Goofus. The Goofus is uh, is uh, is the twenty five kill nuke. So if everyone else kills it, like you get all your predictions wrong, whether it comes to Brandon Nemo going to Rockies or Carlos Correa joining the Yankees, everyone else gets them right. But you nail the goofus and no one gets the goofus. You win the whole game. So the game we're playing here, Kyle, like we'll give you whiskey if you nail one of these. But ours is we call it Ryan came up with it's called the Hornsby Challenge. What's the Hornsby Challenge, Ryan? It's where you have to uh, go to a batting cage and get 250 hits before you can leave. That's the uh, big challenge. No problem. <laughs> That's what we have to do. The goof is like the auto win. Or, like, what's the... What's the uh... Any speed. Any speed. Any speed. Uh, I'm going to... finish faster with higher speed. Plus. So. you got you got to hit big league shit. And we think it'll give you every beer you drink, it knocks off 20 hits because that'll just make it more fun <laughs> for us to watch. Yeah. Where do you guys live? Do you live in St. Louis or around there? I would love to take part in this. We are... <laughs> I'm working up in St. Louis until uh, till the end of December. Oh. We just gave up a fifth goal. I'm going to turn this Jesus. off. I'm so depressed. God damn it, Thomas Grice. Uh, I'm working <laughs> up in St. Louis until the end of December. Ryan uh, lives up here. We won't say where uh, or what. He is Ryan. Turn ignore the last name you see on your screen. And Josh <laughs> is in Cape. I live in Cape, but I work up here a lot. We travel up here quite a bit. Josh is in some fucking sex dungeon somewhere. Yeah, he's in Uncle Touchy's yep. naked puzzle base. got Kurt Cobain in the background. <laughs> so, you know. His posters of Cobain and Brendan Donovan all around <laughs> the walls. The Donovan one's on the ceiling above his bed. Uh, <laughs> um, the one we have is called the Goofus, which is a very esoteric, literally out of left field pick. That if you it's it's so it's more rare than predicting Daniel Vogelbach dying. In this. <laughs> it's more rare than you predicting. What did we pick? Uh, Marcelo Zuna six months or thirty days and a charitable donation. If you nail the goofus, you nail everything. So to give you like a hint before why you think this over, the goofus is Josh picks. <laughs> Josh pick my chill. Is revealed is revealed to have made anti-Semitic comments, <laughs> which is still the greatest character on this podcast, which was Black Israel, like Mike Schilt. <laughs> Y'all need to get off Kyrie Irving's ass and start listening to the qualms of our people. And <laughs> mine was Marcus Stroman publicly admits that he lost a shit ton of money on NFT slash crypto. Ryan's was a little more based in reality. Rangers make two big free agent splashes or trade splashes and then sell their entire team by June. 
for a fire sale. And then next was Brandon Nemo, January 6th confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to throw in, you got a goofus you want to add to the bunch? So when you guys started talking about shill, (laughs) I like my first thought was, we're going to find out that the reason Shield got fired is he and Mo had been having sexual relations with each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like years ago. And then like two years ago, it got really rough. Not like the sex. I mean, the sex was rough to begin with. But the, God the, choked yeah, me the when I didn't want to be choked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mo just wanted to be choked a little. Shield wasn't into it. And from there, their relationship spiraled. Uh, so th- I, I thought about that immediately. That they couldn't work with each other anymore because they were jilted lovers. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's the one I want to settle on. Mm-hmm. How about, you know, I, the, the ownership thing is fascinating to me. <laughs> How about Donald Trump buys mm-hmm. the Redskins or the, uh, the Washington commanders <laughs> and renames them the Redskins. All right. I can get down with that. Donald Trump buys a sports team and makes them more problematic. Like, in yeah. not just from like him just being a radioactive like hive. All right. It'd just be like, he's, I'm going to buy the Cleveland Guardians and return them back to tradition. It puts on a head, a uh, fucking headdress. <laughs> yeah. He buys the Reds and it's like, they are now the Red Men. Yeah. They are now the Red Men. <laughs> he buys every baseball team and makes them racist. To honor the great March shots. I am conquering the Reds just like my ancestors did. (laughs) Taking a shit on the mound just like our dogs did. Okay. Uh, Trump uh, buys a team and makes them, because we'll expand it, because, you know, we want you to win. Uh, I want it to be the Redskins. (laughs) The commanders. (laughs) Turn it into the Redskins. He buys like a baseball, like a fucking, like, like a like a, like an like a fucking minor league team, and he thinks he's buying like the Washington Commanders and names yeah. him the Redskins. Yeah. Pawtucket Redskins. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I, 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 that's, that's as best as I, that's the best I could come up with on short notice. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, this is a uh, it's been a blast, guys. This is great. This is always good, and we recorded it. We twice recorded it. Double Josh recorded, recorded it. it. I did so that way this would the world needs to hear the beautiful sultry tones that that is Kyle Reese from his from his favorite admirers uh uh Jim Dad Josh in a dungeon and a blade of grass <laughs> <laughs> a moist blade of grass i wish you were an aphid right now so hard daddy i wish you were a little aphid <laughs> Kyle do you have anything to promote no yeah, fuck you... no i don't want to promote shit i want to promote all these poor sons of bitches who are paying 8 dollars a month to get a blue check mark next to their name <laughs> Oh, dude, this totally reminds me. So I'm having, I'm thinking of having a worst fan SmackDown, and I need a referee. And okay. the SmackDown is going to be between Jeff Jones and Dan Buffa. We oh, want God. them to hash oh, yes. it out. <laughs> Will you be our referee if we somehow get this to happen? You know what i I would be because I like both of those guys. You know, Dan's been really awesome exactly. to me. Jeff's been really awesome to me. I, I like talking with both of them. I, I think they're both. You know, they both have had their problems. Uh, one, maybe a little bit more well-documented than the other. <laughs> but, like, uh, but, like, again, we all fuck up. I mean, yeah. I, I have fucked up countless fucking times. I've said, 
crazy shit and not just for effect uh, that that I'm embarrassed by that I think about and wallow in on a regular basis. So yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm here to help other fuck ups as much as I can in any capacity. Oh, this would be perfect. It either, I mean, we have to tell them, but um, yeah, I mean, I get, I mean, they're gonna. It's public, Josh. This is supposed to remain in our Slack channels, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna. I'll give you three months severance if you if you re, if you opt to not, re, or you can build Worst Fans 2. 2.0 breakthrough and send me to Mars, where I will die alone up there like I deserve to. Okay, this is. I am, I I am more than just a blade of grass. I am the world's most self-centered billionaire. I made a car that's also a bomb. Have you done that? Have you done that? No one's done that in the history of car bombs. Not even the Irish. I can't think of anyone who's done that. Yeah, and my car bomb is so good it does it itself. <laughs> All right, uh, guys, this is Kyle Reese. We love him. Kyle, thank you so much. You guys got any farewell things you want to say to Kyle? No, thank you, Kyle. Thanks, yeah, man. thanks, guys. Really thank you. I love always. talking with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, and we always have the tradition of who are we fucking tonight? Who are we fucking so, tonight? Yeah. Who are we fucking? Josh is and, fucking whoever he wants. Well, that's always <laughs> true, you know. Uh, I I do well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I'll I'll myself, well. family. Say again. I'll be fucking myself this evening. Fucking A, man. Hell yeah. Uh, I love having sex with my hand. No, it doesn't talk. Uh, (laughs) Take my wife. Take my wife. Take my wife. Take my Um, wife. Have you guys heard of this quartery fella? (laughs) Take my wife. (laughs) Awesome. Kyle, thank you. Uh, We love you. Everyone, go fuck yourselves tonight. We love you all.